So after playing Russian Roulette with a dice, it looks like I have lost the role and we'll have to introduce our first episode of our cycle conversation. Um, my name is Chris. I am the Director of Customer Success for Cycle. And with me today is Jake, our CEO, and Grady, our uh, one of our front-end engineers. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Yeah, another, another day in paradise, something like that, right? I guess. I mean, it was it was pretty cold today, but we're out in beautiful Reno, Nevada. It where was seven, uh, it was seventy the, degrees today. It was beautiful the, outside. I don't know what you're talking about. It was. It ended up. It ended up nice. It, this morning, the reason I said that is this morning I woke up and my uh, my sprinklers had gone off early, and it was frosting, and I thought that I had blown the grass, which is not a good feeling. But anyways, we recovered, and things went well up here in the high desert. You really n- never know what temperature it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, but uh, so obviously this is this is our our, our first uh, video series. Uh, it's a uh, goal is to do a, a video like this once every two weeks, um, where we'll you know talk about everything from how we're building our company uh, to some of the features that we're working on to some of the challenges uh, that we've been encountering along the way. Um, additionally, uh, we're excited that, you know, at some point we'll be bringing in customers, uh, inf- you know, other, other developers and influencers within the industry and even pulling in our investors from time to time. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good conversations to be had. Um, bear with us as we, you know, navigate through this first one, um, as we figure out, you know, the, the exact way that we want to do this. Um, we, we currently don't even have a name for this, uh, you know, kind of following the, the whole startup approach of, um, of not necessarily always knowing exactly how you want everything structured before you're just diving in or before you make dive it in. happen. Yeah, <laughs> just just making it happen. Um, so at some point, this will this this video series, uh, like I said, this it'll be a bi-weekly video series. Uh, will have a name, um, um, and if, if, if you know if any good names come to mind, uh, definitely reach out. <laughs> and we can get the hero. <laughs> that is not an invitation to troll the comments. Correct. Yes, that is no upvoting bad names, please. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, for the first uh, you know video in our series, I was trying to think. You know, we, we we actually spent almost an hour before this call trying to figure out what we would actually talk about, and because we wanted to be able to talk about something that we thought people will, uh, would find interesting, um, but at the same time, we didn't want to get too into development. We didn't want to get too into marketing or. Uh, you know, just any of those uh, you know general things, and so we wanted to find a topic that um, you know could have you know a lot of appeal to a lot of people, and we kind of really just decided you know what we're going to talk about what we're working on this week, and although that might sound really boring at first, um, is is a lot of the challenges that come through out of out of building a startup. There's always lessons to be learned. There's there's always you know the just random challenges that, that come up and, and 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 are unexpected, and. And uh, so being able to start there almost is kind of the perfect spot. Um, and in addition, one of the trends that I've been seeing in social media recently is this whole build in public uh, kind of movement where a lot of founders are trying to spend more time um, not just talking about, oh, you know, we had this great success, but also talking about some of the challenges uh, that are encountered along the way. And so, as I had already just previously mentioned, um, this whole building building in public movement um, is something that I think will be a pretty big uh, part of this video series going forward. 
And uh, beginning this first one with what we've been working on this week is is, is a big part of that. It'll be, it'll, it'll be really exciting. And, and, and again, just if, if you're new to, to Cycle, uh, the three people on this call right now, this is not our entire team, just to, just to, to make that, that, that clear. Uh, with having, uh, you know, the, the limited team size that we had now, uh, about a week and a half ago, uh, we kind of had to make the decision that we were going to pull, we were going to pull all developers into marketing um, just for a short sprint so that we could move some things forward. And that doesn't necessarily mean that our, our developers were going to suddenly start generating lots of content and things like that. But, and as Grady can dive in. I was gonna be like, can I chime <laughs> in here for a second about yes. this? <laughs> which is, as a, as a developer who enjoys talking, which is, it is a lot of developers like talking with people or whatever, just randomly discussing, but as someone who like genuinely likes talking with strangers, I was like, I'm all about this. And then immediately dove back into development, which was, I thought, kind of funny. But it was still for marketing. So, like, that was cool. But well, I just, uh, I, Tell that story, that Grady. Like, like what, what, is, what is a developer? <laughs> when, when I say that we moved our marketing team, or sorry, our development team into marketing, um, what does where I say that that's not all con that that is not just specifically saying, hey, we're, we're going to generate nothing but content because although content is incredibly important to us as a company, um, there are other things that we try to do to optimize who we are as a company. And uh, so Grady has been working on one of those, those, those big tasks over the last week and a half. Yeah. Yeah, so I have been building a uh, just a marketing API. Uh, as our marketing team grows, it'll allow them to interact with uh, specifically a dedicated API that's just for them. And then it'll also, one of the biggest things that we're really doing right now is, or we have a big push for, I should say, is this whole like green content, like how can we push the best content we have the fastest? And so one of the major features of the API is the ability to push change logs out to our customers, right? So like, as a developer, I hate emails that say, hey, guess what? We just put out uh, this new subscription model. It's like, that's great. Can I find the unsubscribe button? For sure, cool, click. Um, but like one thing I actually am interested in is, as a developer is what has been added. Not just like a feature thing, but just, just like, tell me what you guys did this week. Like we added this feature, we fixed this bug, we did this thing. It's like, that's cool from a developer standpoint of view, right? Like I actually care about what some company has put into their product in the last two weeks or the last week, but I don't care if their subscription model changed. Like I'm gonna figure that out on my next either credit card bill or next time I log into <laughs> the portal. Like it's Hope gonna be one of those two things. <laughs> and hopefully it's not on your next credit card bill. Ho hopefully <laughs> yeah. it's not. Yeah. I. Uh, but um, yeah. So I've been working on basically allowing our marketing team to be able to uh, rapidly create change logs that one of our other developers built a portal for. So that portal interacts with my API. And it allows them to rapidly create change logs and we can push that out. So as soon as um, a change log is approved, we've said, yep, everything looks good. Uh, we could push that out to our customers um, with literally the click of a button. It publishes it to our website, uh, it publishes it to our status page, and it pushes an email out to all of our customers who signed up for it. So um, it's really like a, it's really a beautiful thing. Um, it, at least from the standpoint of view, like I was expecting to go into this week or this last week and a half and do hardcore marketing material, which again, I kind I kind of like talking with strangers or like putting on that persona. So I was stoked about, but then found out I was like actually getting to now not just right in front end. I got to work on some back end, which was super cool. That was like actually really fun. And now I don't want to go back to front end, but we will. That's a conversation for another time. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it was it was an awesome experience and 
as developers, like now it's easy for our marketing team to be able to create a change log and push it out to our customers. And so they can see what's happening at like their fingertips now, which is killer. It's super cool. And, and that's one of the things that uh, that we're trying to spend a lot of time on, right? Because with, with a small team, uh, we, we, we can't just put like, I mean, so as a small team that always tries to aim for quality, we can't reach the level of, you know, brand awareness and stuff we want if we always try to seek quality in every single thing to being the, to the point of being perfectionist. And if every time we want to produce content requires us to take, you know, a developer or someone out of their normal job to produce that content, that's slowing us down as well. So the, one of the big ideas behind this changelog was, was how do we optimize ourselves as a team, right? The idea is we have a lot of developers on our team today, you know, that are constantly building new features, you know, or making additions to the platform or even just fixing bugs in the platform. And so, you know, they're obviously already writing code, why not allow, why not generate content from that, right? So um, just simply the fact that if a developer makes a change that is noteworthy enough that our users should know about it, being able to insert that into the changelog and then have our marketing team be able to collaborate with, uh, you know, with that changelog, um, even though that marketing team might not know the level of intricacies or the, the technical details that are involved in that changelog, um, the fact that those developers can supply those changes um, and the marketing team can take those and run with it um, it just helps connect a lot of dots because we have this, as, as Grady had mentioned, we have this kind of evergreen content model uh, where we're always pushing content, but it's content that is generated based off of things that we are already doing. We're not actually spending a lot of time, you know, spending you know hours writing, you know, a, a long form blog entry um, and, and, and and things like that. So um, that's one of the, the big things that we we've, we've been trying to do. Uh, you know, over the last, well, sorry, over the last week and a half of, of this process. And at the same time, you know, as, as, as part of this whole thing, you know, Chris has been working on a number of, of you know, little, uh, so Chris is our director of customer success, right? <laughs> and so Chris is always bouncing around between a number of different things uh, and, and always helping a lot of customers. But as, as we've been moving a lot through a lot of this, these marketing items, um, you know, over the last week and a half, uh, being able to have Chris pull in, uh, the things that he's been working on uh, to help kind of push that f f through, and I, I'll I'll leave Chris I'll leave it up to Chris to, to dive into those in a second. Um, but it, but it's incredibly helpful to have a team that where everyone wears multiple hats, right? Um, everyone in in this company, it's it's not hey you know this is your job, not my job. Everyone is getting involved in just about everything, and uh, it helps us stay uh, helps us move fast. Yeah, everyone has their own version of multiple hats so my marketing hat looks different than grady's while his falls back to writing code that helps marketing um, a lot of the things that i'm working on fall back to a, an education kind of flair uh in a marketing sense and i think a lot of the initiatives that we're really engaged in right now are revolving around the idea of providing relevant uh, easy to consume content that might actually help the people that are consuming it or has a higher chance of helping it uh, with the micro content that you were talking about uh, posts and blog posts that are more kind of succinct with a singular message that that kind of has a theme um, like maybe a you know tool of the day or a uh, you know, a server uh, write-up, you know, uh, oh, you know, you can deploy this server and these are the specs and here's some really interesting facts about it or something really, really kind of niche about this particular piece of um, infrastructure. 
you know, all of those things are kind of wrapping back around to this this story that we're telling that it's becoming more direct, right? Less less uh, fluff and just and just more valuable because everyone out there is curious, but they're also busy. And being curious and busy has no time for, you know, wasteful kind of text heavy junk that you have to wait wade through on your own. As Grady would say, uh, most people would just go to the unsubscribe. And so so we're trying to, you know, produce things that are, are much more relevant, uh, much much more contextual, which has and been great. A- yeah, and that's something that has, has led us to this path, right? Because like, um, I don't want you know for for any cycle users, uh, you know, today that are that are watching this, um, obviously we've already had a change log, right? We've had a change log for, um, I don't know, maybe maybe even two years now. Um, it's been over a year, from what I can see. Yeah, so, something like that, right? We've had, we've had a we've had a, a change log for a while, but it was very uh, it was a very technical change log that was very focused on almost like a commit history, as opposed to something that actually you know uh, told like the value of why some of these changes are important and things like that. And and at the same time, we've also tried um, you know running with newsletters, and although our newsletters had a pretty good open rate. Um, it was, it, we just got into this position where, you know, we, we'd get, you know, somewhat engagement on newsletters, but we would have people all the time asking about our, ch- our change logs. And so we, were, you know, we, we kind of put one plus, you know, one plus one together uh, and, you know, ended up in this position where it's like, all right, this is the, this is the natural step of, all right, you know, let's get rid of these, these, this, this newsletter approach because we don't want people to, if, if enough people start unsubscribing, um, you know, it's a clear sign that it's like, all right, this content is not is not worth it to Some, anyone, right? Something's not right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something, something's not right, and and I don't I don't blame I don't blame them either because I sub, I unsubscribe from just about every single newsletter that comes into my inbox, even if I'm a, a, a user of that product. Um, but at the same time, you know, just along what we've already been talking about, anytime a change log comes in, whether it's from, you know, uh, like we use ClickUp for project management, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or any of the infrastructure providers that we support, um, I always get really excited about looking at those change logs. It's just, it's just, I think as a developer, you always want to know what's happening, right? And a change yeah. log is the most direct way of seeing what's happening there. And so it, it just connects a lot of dots and, and in our case is, is, is put us into a good position. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm excited do you to launch use, it. Do you use the uh, different folders in Gmail? Like I have primary, social, promotions, updates, and forums. Do you and have a right folder now, just, just from me? No, not the folders Sorry. inside, but the ones no. that display literally along the top, the uh, horizontal. Oh, the tabs. It's like tabs. The tabs, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't yeah, know what yeah, the technical yeah. term is for them. Um, but... I use those in, and I find myself lately, I'm not an unsubscriber. I don't like to unsubscribe. I want to see what people are doing. I want to see how their newsletter changes. I'm interested in how people are teaching other people and how they're keeping them engaged. Um, So I I do sometimes read those. But what I have been doing is I have an update and a uh, promotions right next to each other. And when something's too promotional, it goes in the promotions tab. And Gmail says, do you want all of the rest of the emails from this sender to go into promotions? And I say, yeah. But when I'm getting updates, and it really, really lives up to this, it's an update, I generally will open that. And so it's interesting to see our our focus kind of change and move towards that and then have my personal experience also kind of reflect that uh, type of content where it's not 
hey, look at us. It's this might be relevant to you. It's, it's useful information to at least some of our users. Here's exactly what you need to know and then moving on. And I think that's super impactful. Well, and I, I think I think you you hit a really valid point there. Of uh, most people, as they're going through you know building a startup like ours, they you know the first kind of approach to a lot of marketing things is hey, I'm going to follow the same approach as everyone else. And at some point, you start to you know obviously you know as, as you get to have more experience um, knowing who your customers are and things like that, you can you can kind of get a, a better scope of what they want to see. But at some point. Uh, you kind of step back and you're like, all right, me as a person, like you start almost looking at yourself, like how would I sell to myself, right? And then, and, you know, we don't want to necessarily be that company that's like, all right, you know, we are super focused on just selling because, I mean, obviously, you know, we want we, we need to grow our company, you know, it is a business at the end of the day, but we are also trying to build a very tech-forward tech company, you know, really simplifying the lives for, you know, a lot of developers. Um, but like I was saying, it's it's... At some point, you all, you start looking back at yourself and as when, like, how would if how would I want to be approached? And that really starts to make you think uh, differently, um, as opposed to like, oh, I, I read some blog entry about how this person sends out this newsletter and they have all this engagement, and it's like, well, that might absolutely work for that industry because I'm I'm not saying newsletters are 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 are. are you know, bad, like, you know, across, you know, just any given industry. Everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, right? Because, I mean, obviously, obviously there's a reason some people do them, right? They still but, work in some regard. <laughs> exactly, right? But, but for a lot of developers, um, as, as we've already, you know, kind of talked about, they just want the information directly, right? The, no fluff, just very It's almost direct. anti-hype. Yeah. It's like the anti-hype movement of people that want to build things and get things done, and I don't need to know why everyone else is doing it. I need to know why it solves my problem, and yeah, I'm think, all about that. I love those I conversations. Something as well is it's like super contextual. I I care about as a developer, right? Like I care about major version updates, and I kind of care about minor updates. And I don't give like a rat's ass about patches because it's a patch. Like at least for me personally, and I feel as though most developers kind of fall into that same category. It depends uh, on what it is. There's got to be a okay. band. I'll, I'll read there. it at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee there's going to be so many comments here. It's like the war well, of the patch but... versus the anti-patch. <laughs> eh, I don't know. You have to know what's in the patch, man. You got to but... know exactly where. Sorry, go ahead. The, you're fine. You're fine. The point being is with it, though, is that a like a, a change log that is summarizing things versus, right? Like, again, like that markety type thing or not markety, but like that you're being able to connect marketing with what someone is like myself as a developer yourself, right? Um, actually cares about. Like, I don't, to be honest with you, with a lot of the minor stuff and a lot of the patchy stuff personally, personally, I don't care about the specifics. I don't care about what function call you changed. Just tell me this general overarching beautified like sentence that just describes 18 things in one. And like, and not in a bad way, but it's like, that's, if you can tell me a ton of things that changed in your application in one line. I love that so much more than if it takes me 30 lines of reading through very specific, like you said earlier, like commit messages almost. And again, if it's a major update, if you're like, all of a sudden you're like, okay, we made a huge update to everything. Here's everything that changed. I, I am going to read over it very in depth. And like, I want to know, like that's where bringing in like the side of how can we connect the 
like generaliza generalization, kind of like fun, just like not newslettery, but actually something you care about without giving you so much detail that's a pain in the ass to read through. Like you're saying earlier with the updates, uh, Chris, like it's an update without it being like promotional or without it being super technical to where the point of it's just wasting your time. Like, it's just, it's striking the balance. And like a lot of developers, they just want that. I, I don't know. I feel like they just want that. And I think, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I believe you're absolutely correct. Um, but I was thinking while you were saying that, I was, I was starting to think like, for me, it's a scale. If it's something that I'm using daily, I will read the patch notes, right? Like, like mm. Go, whenever there's a new version of Golang, I'll, I'll dive That's as true. deep into the details as, as I can. That's um, true. Or, or, or if it's an update to Docker, right? Um, but if it's something that, um, you know, I probably use, you know, maybe a couple times a week, like, like Slack, I can't even tell you the last time I read Slack, you know, any, any, you know, change log from Slack, but actually, actually, let me take that back. Almost version, all of the, more RAM. All, all, almost all of Slack's change logs just say bug fixes and then something like that. Right. Like it's, it's yeah. not actually like, yeah. uh, you know, anything, anything descriptive, but I think the only thing I've ever read from Slack is a desperate plea for it to restart. Please restart me. Please we love We love Slack, but Slack, everybody who uses Slack knows it has a myriad of issues that are come along with it. Uh, Absolutely. But yeah, 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 totally. It's totally contextual. You you are right there. That's a good way of putting it is like I care about React patches a lot because I have to live inside of React. So if something is patched that I know is a bug or... I've read about being a bug and I haven't personally encountered it yet. And I read its patch. It's like, oh my God, thank God. And I care about that stuff. You're totally right. So I shouldn't say patches. I, I don't care about let me <laughs> Let me slightly take back that statement. Uh, but yeah, totally. So, but I guess kind of going back to, you know, what we've been working on this week, uh, you know, as we, obviously we, 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 we've talked about, you know, change logs to death. Um, but as you were, as you were actually, you know, I guess let's, let's move this into a, a little bit of a development, uh, direction. Um, I know that there's, there, as you were building the marketing API, there was, there's one specific problem that just kept coming back, you know, just, just biting at you. Um, and, uh, I think it, I know what you're talking about. I'm pretty I, sure I know exactly I, I, what you're I'm, talking I'm, about. I'm, I'm pretty sure you do. <laughs> um, so let's, let's dive into that. Let, 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 let's talk about that problem and, and, uh, you know, just uh, like why, you know, why, why was it so important to figure out? And, and, and have you figured it out yet? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That, that last question. Um, are you talking about cookie auth? Uh, yes, you cores. Are, okay, cores. yes, then cores issues. Um, yeah, that's been biting me in the ass all week. Like uh, the last five days, I have been fighting cores. I cannot even begin to describe how badly I've been fighting cores. Um, however, it's taught me some very interesting things, or I should say it's brought back some like memories of, I used to build a lot more, uh, not a lot more. I used to be more focused in like APIs, node APIs in particular, and setting up cores is pretty easy. Um, but for this particular, for our change log, right? Like we want, um, specific sets of marketing, uh, users who work within cycle to be able to create change log items. And in order for us to do that while still having a publicly exposed API, there's gotta be some sort of authentication built in there and all this all this wonderfulness. So for sake of simplicity, as it started out, uh, <laughs> decided to go the route of doing cookie auth or basically creating a secure cookie and using that um, with a expiry period to auth back into the server, whether or not you have the capabilities to do what you're trying to do. And all was fine and dandy 
for about five minutes because <laughs> it started to go a little haywire. Basically, what ended up happening is, or what I ended up discovering, I should say, with cores is it, it made me realize how actually restrictive cores is um, in the sense of as a, as a developer who builds in front end, I am blessed by the fact that the back end team at Cycle uh, is able to like not make me even double think about cores. Because what I went through this week was dealing with different origins coming through, uh, different origins making requests against our API, the API that I'm building. And that API would basically say, hey, you don't you can't do this because you're looking to you you have the allow credentials, I believe, cores options set. Uh, but your allow origin access controller, I forget the exact it lays out in some those words together in some form. Um, is also set, uh, but it's set to a wildcard. You can't do that when you want to actually use auth credentials from a cookie. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. I'll just I'll just set it to our marketing portal, forgetting that we also pull this into our website and and local development for two different platforms and our status page. So um, essentially, all said and done, I I discovered how much I love hate cores. I love it because it made me realize how secure some things actually are because of it. Uh, but absolutely despise it because I don't know enough about it still. But I figured it out. I actually ended up figuring it out. So I am now, I don't know if I should, uh, I'm, I'm now basically, I added in a way to make sure that wherever the request is coming from is actually verified and correct. And for now, it is working across all of our domains and local development and everything. And it's wonderful. And then I'm going to switch it to a token-based thing because I absolutely hate this cookie thing, if I'm being honest. It's just, it's too much because it, this API grew a lot more than I think we kind of expected. I shouldn't say we expected, but it grew, it's growing bigger rapidly. And if we continue down this path of doing this cookie-based auth, I can see it just going into the weeds and it being a future problem potentially for other avenues and other, other um yeah, just other avenues of how we're actually going to consume this marketing data and so or how we're actually going to use this marketing api so ideally within the next month or so i'll actually end up switching it over to token based off and call today and not have to worry about anything ever again but yeah yeah it, it, i mean and it makes sense and i and i think a lot of people don't encounter uh you know that number of issues uh or, sorry a lot of people don't encounter that number of cores issues because so many people will just wildcard so much of cores where it just ends yep. up accepting everything um, that it's actually, you know, they're just, they're really not actually solving any of the underlying problems, right? Um, you know, they've, they've taken a layer that can actually add security to their application and yep. just as a way of getting it working. I mean, I mean, I mean, we're all developers, right? How many times as developers have we been in a position where it's like, all right, we're just gonna make this tweak so that it works today so that we can keep developing. But how often, when you're actually done with development, do people come back and they're like, "Oh, I forgot," or you know, "I, I still need a lot," you know, secure that. And most people Probably like don't, two years right? ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, many, so many people forget, and you know, it's one of the reasons why you know, as we talk about us as a company, it, it's I mean, the, the way we've built Cycle almost kind of realizes that most developers are going to forget to 
you know, secure some of those things, right? And so that's why as we, we built our platform, uh, you know, we, want, that's why one of our big focuses beyond, beyond, you know, keeping things simple and keeping things always up to date is that secure by default, right? The fact that in our load balancer configuration, we can't, we don't just have, you know, load balancer listening for everything. Uh, you have to specifically say, hey, you know, open this port and route it to this container, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and Cycle does a lot of that routing automatically based off of, you know, domain preferences and things like that. But just the fact that Cycle by default um, is is designed so that at least at the infrastructure, at the OS, and at the load balancing, um, well, I mean, I guess technically even ingress, the fact that Cycle's just by default so limited in what it can do on purpose, um, mm -hmm. it, it really helps our, our users feel confident about the product because you know we'll have people reaching out to us and say, hey, I can't access our website or you know something like that, you know, as they're developing, and we'll say, hey, you know, did you not you know allow that access through your load balance or whatever? And then after, you know we only have to really explain that one time um, before people are like, oh, I got it, and you know, uh, it's just it's just you know is is kind of uh, you know. Uh, natural at that point forward um but it makes our customers uh feel you know i mean it helps them realize how much detail we've put into thinking through all these things that nothing is just automatically you know you know full access to anything right um and i know chris is you that's know, is, uh, is it's you just interesting because um you know reading through the kubernetes docs you will see on one of the intro pages it will mention that everything is open by default for development speed. And uh, it's kind of exactly what you just said. How fast can I get from point A to point B? And then I'll fix the mess I made along the way. And something to consider is how many things can I, you know, get to not do between A and B. And, you know, a lot of our customers, you know, we have a secure by default platform, but they're also automating a huge amount of tasks and so the speed that they gain comes from the standardization and the usability as opposed to the just unrestrained access to whatever you want uh, and have fun. And if it's not secure at the end of the day, you know, well, I guess you'll fix that later. It's but, your problem. Uh, that's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll remember that at some point. But, it's just like, uh, let's uh, wildcard everything. That's literally. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, that's wildcard everything. That's a hey, that's a great show title. Let's uh, <laughs> let's, let's stick with wildcard for sure. Wild that'll card describe all. that'll describe us perfectly. Yes, or definitely. no cores. But but anyway, I mean, it, it's interesting thing. because like uh, you know on that same point that you're just making, um, you know one of the things that you know obviously you know all, all three of us have, 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 have interfaced with our, our customers you know, uh, multiple times a week. I mean, usually even daily. Um, but it's one of those interesting things as we have new companies reach out to us, you know, companies that have been using Kubernetes or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever their DevOps solution has been in the past. One of the things that we always tell companies is, Hey, you know, during the time that you set up Kubernetes or, you know, during the time that you set up, um, you know, your existing solution, you probably made a thousand decisions in that process. And maybe, maybe not all thousand of those were the time where you actually realized you're making decisions. Maybe maybe 500 of those decisions, or maybe 500 of those thousand decisions, were made just kind of you know, subconsciously based off of previous experience. Things that you just did because you've just done them that way before, and to you they're not even a decision anymore. But you know, there's still decisions that have been made along the process uh, of getting online. And so it's really interesting as we have new companies coming into Cycle. Um, we always tell them, hey, you know, if you had these thousand decisions that you had to make before with Cycle, we're starting you at question number 951. So there's still questions that you need to answer, but 
we've solved most of those problems for we've answered most of those questions for you which yeah some people want some cycle is not a full solution for everyone right because some people will want to be able to have that extreme control where they can toggle every single bell and whistle right but for 80 percent of the market out there you know these other products are are, are just way overly complicated right and, and it's one of the things why you know obviously in the company here we always we always talk about how well, why have all these other companies been convinced that you know even startups to mid-sized even large companies why are all these companies can been how have they been convinced that they have the same technical requirements as thousand as, as, sorry as, as trillion dollar corporations Uber. right yeah. those, those um, conversations too they they we get to have those conversations even with people that end up not using the platform. Like, you know, someone that comes and finds cycle and, you know, maybe we have a couple conversations with them and it's, it might even still be overkill for what they're doing. They don't need containers. It's like one website or whatever. Uh, they decide to use, you know, maybe, uh, just a single VM regardless. It's, it's that same story of reeling back from this overly complicated ecosystem of, uh, it's like over prescription, you know, it's, it's, it's too much for something that doesn't need it. And the complexity is, it's too much to keep up with. Um, and and, and so to, I, to bring it back to the, that, the, what I was mentioning earlier with the whole 951 questions, it's, that's, it's really interesting to see those new companies come into cycle and they start looking for problems that they don't even need to solve anymore. Right, like they'll, they'll come in and they'll say, "Hey, how do I, how do I, how do I, you know, configure this ingress, you know, load balancer, and how do I set up, you know, X, Y, and Z?" And it's always interesting, like it's it's always just interesting because these companies are like, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. They're 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 looking for problems. It's like aggressive over the, yeah, like they 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 want the control just because they. It's almost like fearing it. I shouldn't say it's fearing it. But it's like the worrisomeness of. Oh my God! Like this I don't even needs know. I don't even think it's the. Right. I don't even think it's people wanting control because we've had a lot of companies that have come to us that said, "Hey, we'll give up the control." You know, for for and again, cycle doesn't get all control. It's just versus Kubernetes, you're giving it maybe twenty percent of that control, right? Uh, but we have companies that have said, "Hey, we will absolutely give up." You know, that twenty percent of you know of control is you know knowing that we can still maintain. A, a vast you know range of control over our applications but we, we will give up that little bit of control if we don't have to care about x y and z right in this case you're know, managing that infrastructure managing less updates managing patching you know there's a whole slew of things that, the, that our customers don't have to manage but as, as but I, I one of my favorite things of talking to new companies is that moment uh that, that kind of magic moment when these companies realize um we don't have to care about this and and it's, it's, it's at that point that they stop looking for problems. And, and again, it's not because I, in my in my opinion, it's not that they're looking for that control. It's just that they're so used to doing things in in kind of that traditional way that they expect sure. that they will still need to do things in that way. Sure, and that um, I don't think it's I don't think a lot of things are as standardized out of the box. And you land here, and there's a standardization out of the box. Uh, it's kind of like that first time I bought a Mac laptop after switching from my 16th blue screen of death uh, Windows machine in the same year. Luckily, they were only like 300 bucks back then. But uh, And then you open it and you start playing around and you're slightly confused because some things are different. And I wasn't a developer back then and I didn't know much. So I'm just kind of poking around and you, you get used to it and you, you don't want to go back. But you are looking for, at first, the problems instead of the, the features. It, it, it's a... Uh, 
I think maybe a symptom of just being scared that this experience will be like the last one. And I think that you'll see probably a lot of tools out there kind of in the same vein, saying the same thing that we're saying um, and trying to execute on that message the same way that we're trying to execute on it, where it's, you know, a standardization and a simplicity that that helps you not have to ask so many of those questions up front and gives you the freedom to kind of explore in a constrained, um, not restricted, but like you said, constrained environment where these these standard practices guide you in a direction and you can be more creative in that environment. Um, it's, you know, it's like it's like being overseen. It's like it's like being uh, what's the what's the word when you watch over an event as an adult um, for someone younger? What you're uh, chaperone. It's like being oh. chaperoned, right? Um, yeah, nah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it, it's 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 that feeling of of a little bit of security once you start to un- realize that that that's going to help you. It's not going to hinder you. And uh, as in my role, I just happen to get to see that over and over again. And I get to actually see those moments where people are like, oh, OK, OK, that that makes sense. I'll, I'll try a couple different ways and then I'll make a decision and I won't have to pay for that decision later. Uh, I won't be penalized for it. It's not adding to my technical debt. It's just what's the best solution for me? What's the best decision for my application right now? And so that's, you know. Yeah, and, kind and, of and and it's kind of interesting because like I I, 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 I don't want to mention this person's name because I, I don't know if I can but you know I, I mean there, there's someone who is, is well known within uh, the the container space um, but I had a demo with them uh, a couple months back at this point and it was really neat because during during uh, me demoing cycle um, they had said something along the lines of of one, how, how have I not heard about cycle? Like how, how has this been a thing for years and I haven't heard about it? And two is um, cycle, this is something along the lines of, you know, to me, cycle is the apple of containers. And that doesn't mean that, ever, sorry, to me, cycle is the apple of containers. Um, and not everyone is going to want to give up some of the control that you know they would have to give up to use cycle but there's a huge percentage of the market that will give up that control for a repeatable polished you know uh result right and and, and i think that's absolutely spot on right like cycle is not the answer for everyone um but there's a lot of companies out there i mean how many companies have been switching to, to cycle from kubernetes you know over the last couple of months even right these companies where these ceos are coming to us and saying hey you know yes you know we, we, we had kubernetes up and running yes it was nice to be able to tell other people that we we're using kubernetes but it wasn't actually helping us, it wasn't moving us forward as a company we were spending so much time man, maintaining this 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 you know orchestration layer though our developers weren't actually spending too much our developers weren't actually spending time on our products, right? And and so it's kind of it's kind of just a neat thing to kind of sit back and think about. Like um, we you know we didn't necessarily build you know cycle with with that kind of the mindset of being you know the Apple approach um, you know with, with that in mind. But that's kind of how you know this you know it, it, it makes sense, right? Um, yeah. it, it just this position where like yeah we you know for a customer coming to cycle you know they don't get to choose what os they want to use because they will use cycle os they don't get to choose you know custom kernels because we have a, we have a central you know, a, a single kernel that we maintain and update that way we can be we can provide a very consistent experience across all of our users um you know we have only certain providers that we work with today although that's a growing list 
Um, but you know, it's, it's just those little things that you could give up in terms of control. Um, but at the end, of, at the end of the day, um, you can still choose whatever technology technologies you want to build your applications with. You can still use, you know, whatever libraries and, you know, I mean, there's still so much flexibility in that process that actually very few companies will even notice any of that control is gone. And, um, they'll just still be able to do exactly what they want to do, but we will have saved them a huge amount of time and, and headaches in the process. What uh, is so it it's that- just really interesting. What is it that, uh, I mean, I know exactly what it is. This, that's a rhetorical, very rhetorical question, right? Like the thing that we, it's so cliche, but it actually is so true to reality of like companies we deal with. And I hear about it as an engineer or, or a developer on like a weekly basis, which is do what you do best as the company and like leave the rest to cycle, like leave the rest to us because most companies just want to make cool shit like that's right. Like that, that's what they want to do. They want to do something cool. So why let these inf- these like issues get in the way? Just like don't don't let them get in the way. <laughs> That's I don't know. No, yeah, like, you're I, I love that correct. saying. I actually do love that saying now. After working here for what like 10, 10 months or so now, that saying has genuinely like resonated with me. Well, and, and is, it's, it's cool. It's some- it's something that I think takes developers some time to actually recognize, right? Because like developers just inherently always want to build everything themselves. And there, oh, yeah. there are times where it makes absolute sense. Um, but like, I mean, uh, you know, a year ago, you know, uh, I was trying to figure out which project management software I wanted to use. And there was none that checked every single box. So at one point I was like, I'm just going to build my own. <laughs> an hour into it. I think I remember. <laughs> I think hour. I remember dreading that week because I was yeah. like, "Oh God, I hope we don't build an entire another product." Because honestly, I mean, if you do, I it's it's and it's a credit to us now, but um, we it, it is a complete platform, and there are probably four to six full products in there, um, and it's it, it's amazing, and those are all great decisions. But product management probably wouldn't have been our strong suit. No. But it, in the in the theme of the week. In the theme of the week, talking about things you've built this week, I think you have another uh, great example there with the website rebuild, right? It's, it's, it's <laughs> a decision. Just... Yeah. It, well, no, but it's it's the opposite vein, and I think it kind of casts a contrast. It's it's something that's simplified because you didn't have a need to use React, right? And you're not writing React either way, but you know we want this simpler process um do you want to dive into that at all about about the website rebuild yeah so 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 we'll, we'll leave most of the website conversation to a a future video um because i i think that there's a lot of you know really neat things that we're learning through that process as well but it's specifically talk about the point that you're referencing I wanted to kind of just simplify things and and get back to uh back to I guess back to our roots, right? Of you know, we I want to be able to have a website that is very simple. It's it's you know a, a static website. Um, sorry, it is built into a static website. Um, but the people maintaining the website don't have to be front end developers. They don't have to know React. They don't have to have all this experience. They need to just know HTML and CSS. And so because of all that, um, about a week and a half ago, I spent, uh, I spent six hours building, um, you know, I guess my equivalent of Hugo. And for those of you who don't know, Hugo is a Golang, uh, website builder and Hugo just did, I mean, it's probably a great offering, but it just did so much. And again, like there's, there's a, there's a point where it's like, I wanted to keep things so simple that I, I built a static website compiler that 
almost use like bootstrap like tags and uh, you know and then like include statements ish you know kind of like what you'd use uh with php um but at the end it would still compile it down to a fully static website so that way i could change a header in one single file run the script and it would automatically build all the the accompanying files for it automatically minifying html and or sorry uh, css and and etc and and compiling as needed but um but the fact that i could spend six hours doing that and save you know, hundreds of hours in the future, our marketing team is now um, empowered to maintain that website and I don't have to pull Grady or any of our other developers off of their tasks just to make changes to the website is is, is critical. And so, um, so yeah, so while, while I did shy away from like, hey, we should build our own CRM or our own project management or anything like that um, and, and focusing on what we're really good at, which is infrastructure tools. Yeah. Um, Occasionally know, it's good to build a tool. This was this was a good six hours spent. Um, yeah, because Mind you, it, would, it would take me probably uh, twenty four years to build the equivalent thing. But yes, <laughs> oh, no, yeah. but, but but no, yeah. So, so I mean, it was it was it was it was a good decision. Um, and and again, we had we had built five websites before. You know, one one a year almost. Uh, using or you know your traditional front end React stack, right? So it wasn't like we didn't try to go to the traditional way using React, Gatsby, et cetera, et cetera. It was just that we had tried five times, and not and, and not a single one of those times did it get easy enough that I could bring in someone who wasn't a front end developer to maintain it. Can um, I give without... my two cents on that? Just really quick, just as, as a tiny little tidbit. I think the biggest thing that uh, potentially, again, I haven't been here for five years, so I can't say everything that went on or even a minuscule amount of things. However, as someone who works in React on a daily basis, React on a daily basis, I feel like that could be due to just right now we're at such a position to where we need things to be, we need things to be in a place where it's easy for anyone to jump in and make things happen. Just like we need to get stuff done and like that's killer. And like that empowering people right we say that all the time like it, you need to be empowered to do this and in the past the team i don't want to say was like very small but it was much smaller so it was more easy it was easier for someone to say hey like i'm just going to do this in react because that's how so many other companies do it it's how it's how xyz companies do it it's, it's like the same issue with like people using kubernetes because uber i don't even know if uber uses kubernetes but like that's that same principle right like but now we're in a place where we can go down this road of simplicity and then maybe in the future I'll have another two cents about possibly introducing React again to our front end. But <laughs> once we cross that road, we'll get to it. That's the exact point from earlier, right? That's the exact yeah. point from earlier. It's it's you're looking at the way other people are doing it. You're trying yep. to keep up. You're pulling in random changes. You're committing yourself to technical debt that you'll fix later. You're pulling on more packages. And at the end of the day, you end up in a place where you're not. it's not simple. Well, and that's exactly what cycle is. You know, when 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 everything is said and done, cycle is that. Is why are developers spending so much time managing DevOps? It's not yeah. their strength, right? Why yeah. should I have marketing people building React websites? It's not their strength, no. right? And so that's the whole thing is building the right tools so that people are empowered to do what they can, what what is their strength, what they do best, and they don't have to worry about anything else, right? And so so um so just with, with cycle, I mean. It, Obviously, you know, we're, all three of us are incredibly biased because we, we help build this platform. <laughs> really? Right? I, uh, well, I mean, I can I can get a, a person from your team, from another team or from a potential uh, customer or user's team uh, who is a junior engineer and show them how to use pipelines and have them build a deployment in 
a half an hour and that's a repeatable skill so that's not too much of a stretch or it's not too biased in my opinion in that context uh, yeah i mean we, we've just, had customers you know, in that vein at least yeah we've had customers come to us um where they've had developers on their team that have never even deployed a server and now a cycle they're managing you know infrastructure scaling multiple clouds um, and, and that has to be incredibly powerful. Like, like it has to be, it has to be a great feeling for you as a developer that again, you've never even deployed a virtual machine, but now you're managing yeah. bare metal and hybrid infrastructure to, across to be all fair, these... to be fair, that the developer themselves are not, uh, getting a matrix plug injection <laughs> where now all of a sudden it's, I can do all of these things. Like I don't know Kung Fu. Um, but it doesn't introduce additional debt to the process. And I think that's a huge differentiator. If you're gonna use a tool that says that it's an abstraction, it shouldn't require a specialist to implement. It, it just does not, that does not make sense. So if you can say that a developer is empowered to do something, that should that's mean exactly that either one, they gain the skill uh, to do that through some type of training, or two, the platform itself it engages them in a way where they can repeatedly do something and then not have to pay that technical consequence down the line that the, the, the platform is solving that. And that, so that's, that's always a, a good point or line to draw. So, so what you're saying is we not only empower our internal teams, but we empower our customers. Is that what you're saying, Chris? <laughs> but <laughs> I'm saying that the developer isn't doing it. It's it's the platform that's doing it. And I, that's, I, understand, you know, I understand what you're saying. I'm just I'm just saying. Oh. <laughs> I, I think I think it's funny because it is true. We do empower we empower our customers' teams to not sure. have to worry, and that's awesome. That's such a beautiful thing. Is I mean, coming from a startup, or I shouldn't say, coming from a, another company. Um, where I was working like kind of part-time, whatever, you know, like everybody's wearing multiple hats, like we talked about, but empowerment is a different story, especially when you're being empowered because of the tools you're using versus just because of the people around you, like that's a totally different feeling. And that's actually right. Like we use cycle. So I totally get that. That's why I'm bringing that up. Like yeah, it yeah. was sure. Totally yeah, cool. and, and it makes sense. Can, and, and we could see that in our customers, right? The, the fact that we have an annualized churn of less than 4%. I mean, it shows that companies, once they try cycle, after they've you know deployed, I mean, th these companies don't leave, um, and, and that's it, it, you know for it, after spending years building this, that is one of the most rewarding things is to have people reach out and say, hey, you know, you solved this problem, um, you you've given me peace of mind, and I can't imagine doing this any other way. Um, is, is it's it's a feeling that it makes everything else worth it, right? Um, I don't know. I'm getting sentimental. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not the only. Those are not the only messages that our customers send us. So if you are listening to this and thinking, "Oh my gosh, one, how am I not using this already?" Or two, this must be uh, fake news. Uh, we do get, you know, the occasional UI bug that I blame Grady oh. for immediately. Um, yeah, I get tagged in a Slack <laughs> message that's like, hey, did you see this? And I look up and there's about 47 uh, unread messages. Oh, my God. But no, it's, well, yeah, it's yeah, but, never that but, bad. I mean, to what you said, it, it does make sense why, you know, our customer success department is so much more matured and aged. Um you know, we've invested in that back. I mean, I've been doing customer success for us since 2019, early 2019. And it's, it's, 
in the infrastructure world, it takes so long for someone to come on and say, hey, I trust you. Let's do this. And it's up to us to keep continually delivering a, a good experience to them to have them come back and say, okay, let's do it again. Okay, let's do it again. So, you know, that that's definitely something that we continue to pursue. It's not like a destination we've arrived at. It's it's something that we're we're super invested in, and I mean that's literally the function of my job. So I guess this is a context where I am very biased. But I was gonna be like, I think you just I, gave yourself a pat on the back if I was listening <laughs> to that. I know, correctly. and it, it, well, I mean to be fair, um, you know Jake's response time as compared to mine is several seconds faster. So uh, if you ever read uh, customer success books, um, there's a book called Chief Customer Officer where the author, and I can't remember her name off the top of my head, uh, talks about getting you know, a buy-in from the top. But you do. You have to have people at the top of the organization that are really committed to that, to that customer journey uh, being successful, to, to just use the word. Um, and it, it pays off long-term when you're talking about an infrastructure play like Cycle or a platform play where you, you need to keep and gain and grow that trust and that relationship over time. Well, sure. and, and, and back to your 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 thing about even even mentioning bugs, like that's that's how we know that we've gotten into a position where, um, where, you know, where, where our users trust us, right? Because, um, you know, even even when you know a, a user might find a bug, you know, whether it's you know a, a simple UI bug or or something more serious, and we haven't had actually many serious bugs in quite a while now. Um, but um, thanks to QA. <laughs> yes, I mean definitely. I mean we have we, we we have a good QA process, but but the point is even if a bug does get all the way through our entire process out to production, um, the fact that we have companies you know that are like hey, even with even with this bug, it doesn't matter. That's not going to change that that you know we we are we are. Right. I mean, it feels yeah. like we have someone in that seat next to us, right? Our, our customers they are along for the ride, and they know that we will fix those bugs, um, you know, as fast as we can. And um, as like as a developer in that situation, I think I love when I have a customer or, or a client of ours, however you want to say it, direct message me and say, hey, I just found this. And they drop me a detailed report about everything because it's like they, they care. They're like this. I'm not saying, hey, I'm going to leave you if this doesn't get fixed. But it's more like I found this. This is what happened. This is what's going on. It's not like it was just like our QA team who... Yeah. told us hey no, no no it was actually it's our customers who were giving us incredibly detailed information it's like whenever my, my mac crashes and it wakes up the next time it's like do you want to send this to apple and i'm like i guess so here's these kind of notes like yeah, it's I like where know. are you really sending this does it just go into the void but it's like it like just sends packets yeah, into and, the and ether that's 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 the other really cool thing is there's almost i don't want to actually even almost is the wrong word there's never anger Right, yeah. like, like there might be, uh, you know, slight frustration once in a while. Like, hey, like, like, how did the, you know, like, why how did this slip past? Yeah, like how did this slip past, right? Um, but it's it's never anger. It's never threats of leaving. It's never any of that. Like, and it it just feels it feels phenomenal. Um, but it's like being in a comfortable relationship without being weird about it. Like that's genuinely how it feels. It's like this open communication line where 
You can ask them questions, yeah. and they are going to be well. For my, <laughs> okay. a, yeah, okay. we will have customers okay. listening to this, and let's okay. not make it no, 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 too <laughs> strange. I, I mean, here, you're here wondering. You know how sometimes I make like suggestions Chris? about what we, how we should handle engineering, and you're like, "Wow, I'm glad you DM that to me, so it's not in general." And then you tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> Well, Hold on. <laughs> let me explain. Let me break down what I was gonna say. Let's and... let's just call it. Let's call it even. At what you said was good. Well, and, <laughs> well we won't walk down that road. We'll leave it less taken. Well, and uh, Robert Frost can forever be <laughs> taken. It, it 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 does come down to the like right like it's just it's an open line of communication. That's literally all I yes, was going with right. with that. I is know, it I, is I it. it is comfortable. You can ask them what 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 went wrong. How did it happen? And they'll be willing to tell you, or you can ask them for their experience with a new feature that you just pushed out. Like I worked heavily on our pipelines feature uh, for our portal on the UI side. And I was direct messaging some of our customers. I don't know if either of you two actually ended up knowing that, but I was damning some of our customers and asking them, Hey, how is pipelines working? Like what's going on? Because like that one-on-one -on -one conversation is so natural and organic. And it just ends up turning into, instead of this, Oh my gosh, this is broken to, Hey, I found this bug. Um, you may want to check it out. It's okay. I'm working around it. It's not a big deal. Like, I love, like, I love what you guys did or, or it's like, Hey, this does need to get fixed, but, uh, still awesome work guys. Like it, it's never this like, like malice or just like you said, like bad communication or like hatefulness. I don't even know how to, what's the right word to describe yeah. that, but you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's always constructive. It's always constructive. That's perfect. It's literally constructive feedback. Um, it's what it's, I aim to do. It's the opposite of the angst I take into any support message where I know oh. I'm not going to get a response for two weeks. Like when someone else burnt our uh, SendGrid email IP and our customers weren't getting emails. And I emailed SendGrid and, or opened that ticket. And like four weeks went by and they were like, well, we'll think about potentially changing the IP you're assigned to one of these days. And uh, then we, and then we had to leave that platform. So yeah, we, uh, we left SunGrid after that. Well, that's like yes. it puts a bitter taste in your mouth too. Like you you're sitting yeah. there like why do they not care? Like I'm a customer. Like what what's going on? And and, and, and we'll we'll have a, a whole future conversation of uh, specifically around how we've we've built our our, our our customer success team, how you know the the culture behind it, some of the 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 emphases that we or the lessons. Uh, we've learned and the emphasis on certain uh, kind of aspects of that. Um, that'll, that'll be a whole another video that we'll be able to dive into. And we might actually bring in one of our customers to, to help, uh, uh, you know, tell that, that story as well. Um, who knows? Like, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the series, uh, this is more of a, uh, this, this is a new thing. Obviously this is the first episode. Um, we're, we're curious about how, um, or sorry, we, we won't have everything fully sorted by the time this goes live, Definitely. but that's okay. That, that, <laughs> that, that is the startup world. And as long as we are making progress in the direction that we want to go, um, that is, that is, that is the most important thing. Yep. And so, um, uh, I, I think our goal is to keep these around an hour. So while we have a lot more to share, uh, probably good to, to end there. And, um, we will, we will be back in two weeks with, um, with, with with more to share yeah. please uh please remember to like or share on whatever platform you're consuming this from we would really appreciate your engagement but yeah pleasure pleasure it was a fun conversation yeah